Good afternoon, everyone. I hope you guys are enjoying your Wednesday afternoon. This is part two of your two-for-one Wednesday special. And uh, we're going to be covering today NXT TakeOver 25 preview and predictions. But before we get into that, I know the big news of the day is uh, the recent episode of the Chris Jericho's podcast, Talk is Jericho. That actually dropped earlier on today. And Dean Ambrose, now known as John Moxley, appeared on Talk is Jericho. And this is an article from WrestlingInc.com written by Raj Geary. John Moxley details why he left WWE promos regarding Roman Reigns' cancer and Vince McMahon's reactions. So let's get into the article real quick. John Moxley... FKA Dean Ambrose appeared on Chris Jericho's podcast, Talk is Jericho, which dropped today. The episode was recorded a couple days before Double or Nothing. Moxley said that it was time to talk finally. He said that he has been quiet the last few months, even though WWE had sent out press releases and mentioned on commentary that he was leaving. Moxley brought up that his only real comment about leaving was during the Shield's interview with Michael Cole last month. And that was because he felt like he was being set up with them saying he couldn't hack it in WWE, so he would be going to the minor leagues. Moxley noted that he's never been happier and that the weight of the world has been lifted off his shoulders. He said that he has nothing but gratitude for WWE and that WWE changed his life. He said he grew as a person there and learned a lot of life skills, adding that he got a chance to be a part of great causes like Make-A-Wish. Moxley also noted that he met his wife, Renee Young, in WWE and that the last eight years could not have been more successful. He joked, quote, with that out of the way, let's just bury the company, end quote. Moxley knew he wanted to leave the company in July 2018 when he was out with a tricep injury. He was supposed to be out for four months, but it turned into nine months because of all the complications. Moxley said he did not want to walk out of the company at the time, partly because his wife works there, and he would get all of his royalties if he waited until his contract expired on April 30th. Moxley recalled, monk, eh, words are hard. Moxley recalled once getting a scripted promo about him describing the things that he did getting to the arena that day. He said that they weren't things a cool or relatable person does, but things that an idiot would do, like driving backwards on the street or eating pizza with a homeless person. Moxley refused to do the promo and asked for it to be rewritten. Vince McMahon redid the promo, but put all of that material back in. Moxley met with Vince, who thought that, quote, it was such good shit, end quote, and that it was why people liked him. Moxley replied, quote, so I'm an idiot, end quote. McMahon laughed and replied, quote, no, that's you. You're different, end quote. He went on to recall the day he studied, when he started to count down the number of days that he had left. Moxley was back from injury last fall working as a heel against Seth Rollins, and as soon as he got to the TV, several writers approached him with scripts. The theme was that Rollins would be calling him out to the, into the ring throughout the night and that he would very, have various promos on the screen before leading to a fight at the end of the show. He knew it was going to be a long day with various promos, noting that the pre-tapes can take up to 40 minutes. He recapped, and I quote, They hand me these scripts. To my eye, it's typical WWE script. There are a bunch of words, a bunch of big words, a bunch of goofy words. None of it makes any sense to me. We're not trying to tell any tangible story or do anything to kind of get any kind of characters over. Nothing that makes sense to me. So, typical, end quote. Moxley said the promo he was most concerned was at the end of the show in the ring, which he felt was, in what he says, quote, absolute hot garbage off of a crap, end quote. 
The gist was that the people were smelling it foul, and Moxie could see Vince enjoying it. The thing that caught his eye the most was a comment about a pooper scooper. Moxley said he wasn't going to say that. There was a process that they had to go through to get it changed without, but without having Vince see it, because Vince would love the pooper scooper line. One of the writers tried to get it changed to be more about needing a gas mask because the town was disgusting. Moxley told a writer that it would be much better if they were trying to tell a story instead of saying stupid things. Later that evening, he got notes from VKM, who said that, quote, Dean needs to understand why he's insulting the audience, end quote, and read the promo verbatim and not try to rewrite them. So he exclaimed to the writer, quote, why do I work here? I'm a professional wrestler who can tell stories and come up with promos. I believe I have the capability to talk people into buildings. I believe that I have developed those skills years ago and wanted to bring them here to WWE, and you just want me to say your stupid lines. If you want somebody to read your stupid lines, hire an actor because they probably do a better job. I'm not interested in doing it, end quote. He's still hoping that this ver- his version of the promo got through before the Pooper Scooper promo. He said that one of the promos that day had a distasteful remark about his friend Roman Reigns, who was recovering from leukemia. Moxley said that he thought it was a mistake and that the writers pushed him to say it. Moxley went ahead and said the promo and regretted it as soon as he said that line. Moxley went back to the writers' room and they were able to get their pr- version of the promo in before the Pooper Scooper got to Vince. He said, and I quote, Bear in mind that this is a billion dollar company run by a man who's allegedly a genius. And keep in mind that we're all adults and we're talking about stuff like this. End quote. The new promo was written by Vince, which had Moxley in a surgical mask, followed by a gas mask the following week, and a full hazmat suit the week after. Moxley went into Vince again and felt exhausted. Not just about that day, but the six years of explaining to an old man why the material was bad. They came to a compromise, where Moxley wore a handkerchief instead. Moxley said he had no creative license and was just doing terrible crap. Moxley took off right after the show, had a drink, and we called what a waste of time the ordeal was. Moxley rejected the notion that talent today are afraid to go off script or get fired. He said that he's never been afraid to get fired and always goes in and gives his opinion. He said that he tries to convince the company that his ideas are better, but if he can't, then he goes with, he goes with what's scripted because they sign his paychecks and he tries to make it the best he can. Moxley then discussed the day he knew 100% that he was gone from the company. He said he thought about walking out, but he didn't. This was the angle where he got shots and vaccinated during the backstage promo. He got to the arena and was staring at a promo seething during a sexual harassment meeting that the talent needed to attend. After the meeting, Vince wanted to meet with him over the promo because he wanted to make sure that it wasn't played for comedy. Vince met with Moxley and said that the promo was so well written and will get him a ton of heat. Moxley said that he will do whatever he can to make it good and felt that it would be the last time that he would say it again. Vince loved the segment. Moxley noted that day he felt that he could not work there. He left for the airport feeling depressed. Quote, this promo also had a line about my actual friend who's going through leukemia that Vince wanted me to say. That he tried to talk me into saying, this is where I absolutely drew the line. I said, absolutely not. End quote. Moxley said that Vince tried to talk to him into saying the line a little bit, but he absolutely would not. He revealed, and I quote, it is the worst line. I'm not going to say it on the air. I'll tell you after we're done. It would have been like a thing where someone would have had to get fired. Maybe me. They might have liked lost sponsors like the Susan G. Komen and all of that. End quote. He also went on to say, quote, I don't know who wrote it. I don't know if it was Vincent himself. If it was a writer and he's listening right, not you should be your same to yourself, you wouldn't believe it. End quote. Moxley said that he would have left WWE even if there were no other options. And of course, I credit all of this to, uh, Chris Jericho's uh, the Talk of Jericho podcast. 
And uh, if you want to check out the podcast, uh, you can go on WrestlingInc.com and check it out on there or find it on uh, Chris Jericho's podcast or like iTunes or anything like that. Called, of course, the episode being wonderfully titled The Emancipation of John Moxley. There's a lot to there's a lot to talk about here. The fact that, you know, Moxley knew exactly when he wanted to leave WWE. The fact that, you know, they wanted him to say a line about Roman Reigns and his the whole uh, situation with leukemia and all that. Definitely, mm. sh- like, he definitely um, like revealed a lot of stuff that was going on behind the scenes in WWE. You know, certain promos he didn't want to do. Certain things he wouldn't he wouldn't want to say, try to get things rewritten, but he couldn't. And he was better off saying things, you know, or else get fired, even though he was willing to what he was okay with getting fired. And that, you know, the, the one line that he said, he would have left WWE even if there were no other options. Even if WWE was the only promotion in the game, period, he still would have left and just lived his life. It says a lot about, you know, WWE. This is crazy. I mean, like, you got to think, you know, with Vince McMahon and how he's like, you got to think of like the, like literally the last 18 months up till now with WWE's. I mean, they, I mean, for the, honestly, it goes back at least the last five, six years where it's just been on a true downward spiral. Where, you know, Roman Reigns was just the flavor of the four uh, four years. They tried to get him over so much to the point where, you know, he was going to do everything he could to just get one man over and the rest of the company suffered for a long time. And, you know, the whole Jinder Mahal push, that that was a terrible push. There's just been a lot wrong. That has been going on with Vince McMahon. And it's now to the point where fans are just fed up. You know, you saw it last night on SmackDown Live where there were fans having signs that said, save us Triple H. You know, uh, there was one sign with involving uh, MJF. Um, and those signs got confiscated because they were literally on hard camp. It's crazy to me, you know, knowing that Moxley wanted to leave in July. You know, he and of course he waited to until his contract expired April 30th just to get just to get all of his royalties and make sure because his wife works there. You know, it does suck because literally there have been tw- I mean, I've seen the tweets at times and especially from WrestleVotes, which is a very credible source for those in the community who follow you know, certain wrestling podcasts or certain wrestling pages on Twitter, you know, I think the most recent one that I remember seeing was that uh, recent episode of Monday Night Raw, the script wasn't even done and the show was going on already. It's quite scary knowing that we are in times where a 73-year-old man literally has creative control over everything. That even the most Creative, I I'm, think of the creative ideas over the past five or six years that could have happened. And the one I always bring up the most was the club versus the Roman Empire. The feud between AJ Styles and Roman. Upon uh, AJ's arrival, of course, um, Royal Rumble, 
you know, and the whole deal with the club, with uh, Gallows and Anderson and Styles and taking on, you know, Roman and the Usos. Roman was the one who got over, even though, honestly, AJ should have been the one to take, you know, to win the WWE Championship. And how all that went about in that having Roman be the focus of that feud. And he was the one that got over. And it still, to this day, doesn't sit well with me to the fact that they had so many opportunities to do so many good rivalries. Finn Balor versus Bray Wyatt could have been a huge feud. It ended shitty. AJ Styles versus Chris Jericho, good feud, but when they came down to WrestleMania time, Jericho was the one who got over on Styles in WrestleMania and uh, AJ Styles WrestleMania debut. That will be a stat forever. He lost in his WrestleMania debut. NXT talent coming up to the main roster and basically being buried. You know, even names now like EC3, uh, Heavy Machinery, you know. Freaking sanity, getting buried, um, not being featured on the show whatsoever. Just so much talent. You know, Shinsuke Nakamura, Bobby Roode, Drew McIntyre, I guess, is now somewhat prominent, even though he's just linked to Shane McMahon now. And seeing, reading this article, I am not, this is the first time I'm actually reading this article. I didn't read it beforehand. I wanted a genuine reaction. And even he's him saying, you know, you know, with the scripts that he was getting, you know, none of it made sense to him. You know, the pooper scooper thing that was that's just weird. Um, There's just a lot like this looking at it. And he even said, you know, this is a billion dollar company run by a man who's allegedly a genius. And that we're all adults and we're talking about stuff like this. Talking about, you know, the Cooper Scooper line and everything. His heel run should have been the stuff of a legend. Started off great the night that Roman had to relinquish the championship. And Rollins and Ambrose won the championships. Ambrose turned heel on Rollins. But the feud went absolutely, honestly, nowhere. This should have been a moment for Moxley to, well, I'm going to go with, since it's WWE version, Ambrose, to win the Intercontinental Championship and go into WrestleMania. That should, that should have been one of the hottest feuds going into WrestleMania this year, was Ambrose Rollins for the Intercontinental Championship. It wasn't. It ended up being an absolute failure. Looking at the state of WWE right now, it is getting worse by the week. And... It sucks that we are we now have programming on Monday nights where the entire first hour, almost the entire first hour was legit promos. No matches, nothing. And then when we get to the first match of the night, you know, it was Shane McMahon. It was all about Shane McMahon against, you know, Roman Reigns, quote unquote, and I'm doing air quotes, cousin. It, I mean, I still haven't seen there any ratings yet for this. Personally, and honestly, you know, how anyone could think that, you know, WWE is still the hot company was still, you know, it, it, it sucked. It still sucks. Because... WWE deserves, honestly, much better than what they're getting right now. 
They really should. And it's now getting to a point where fans are just leaving on in droves. You know, they aren't giving a shit. And just seeing more of the insights into this makes you really think, you know, what the fuck was he thinking? It's scary. It's honestly really, really scary to think about that this is where we are now. I mean, I'm glad for I'm glad for Moxley getting out. He feels like, you know, the weight of the world is off his shoulders. He can be free to be creative as, as much as creative as he wants. He's now going to be facing Joey Janela in his first AEW match against Joey Janela. I'm really excited for him to see what he does. I'm sure it all out Omega versus Moxley is going to be the match. And that's going to be a crazy good match. I can feel it already in my bones. But seriously, if Vince McMahon, the so-called genius, continues to put on programming like this, it's going to cause more problems. This is why fans are just not interested in droves. You know, it's dropping week after week. This is why the ratings are what they are. And... I want Moxley to have the best for his career. I really do. I want him to, you know, have a fruitful remainder of his career. And now he's in AEW. I think he can he can give us a lot a better version of himself. I think that's what he wanted. And I respect that more than anything. But enough about me rambling on. Because we got to get to some predictions. Ladies and gentlemen, this is episode 74 of the Young Lions Perspective. And with that being said, let us begin. What's going on, guys? Zach from the Wrestling With Issues podcast here. Welcome to episode 74 of the Young Lions Perspective. I'm so glad to have you guys here with me today on this Wednesday afternoon. Part two of your two-for-one Wednesday special concludes with NXT TakeOver 25 preview and predictions. And to, before we even get into the preview and predictions, I watched... Uh, NXT uh, most recent episode from last week earlier this morning and I absolutely loved it I absolutely enjoyed the fact that you know watching NXT is a beautiful thing Um, they had the main event of Matt Riddle and Johnny Gargano taking on Bobby Fish and Colin Riley that was a great match Um, the Velveteen Dream Experience of course that segment with Tyler Breeze that is setting up their North American Championship match at TakeOver 25 was pretty dope uh, I like, you know, the whole situation with, you know, they started the show with um, announcing that there's going to be a fatal four-way ladder match for the NXT Tag Team Championship between the Street Profits, Danny uh, Burch and Oni Lorkin, the Forgotten Sons, 
and the Undisputed Era's Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly. And now we pretty much have the card set up. And looking at the card itself, I love this card. From top to bottom, it's a very strong card, which features every member, of course, of the Undisputed Era. You now have Velveteen Dream versus Tyler Breeze for the North American Championship. You have the Women's Championship with Baszler and Shirai. The main event being Gargano Cole 2 for the NXT title. There's a lot going on here. And I really enjoy the fact that there's um, that is a strong card. Alone, this is definitely one of my favorite cards. NXT, NXT, NXT Takeover, by far. I mean, War Games Two probably is my favorite card ever. Um, right, it's right up there with uh, NXT Takeover Brooklyn Two. Uh, if I remember correctly, that was um, Bailey and Sasha for the women's title. The ladder match with Finn Balor and Kevin Owens. The fact that we are at 25 takeovers already in NXT's, I would I would say somewhat long history because I think it's um to go where they came from in the in its beginnings. I was I was watching NXT when it first started, you know, with Daniel Bryan, Justin Gabriel, Michael Tarver, um, Wade Barrett, Heath Slater which led to the formation of the Nexus and going after, you know, John Cena and all that. Unfortunately, John Cena pretty much buried the Nexus by himself, which was truly unfortunate. And to this day, I'm sure John Cena regrets ever being the one to get himself over instead of handing Nexus a victory and let them, letting them actually become a big deal in WWE. Um, to go from where they were, it's just like a random competition, weekly competition, to determine who would be the next big thing in WWE. Of course, Wade Barrett won that first season. So we'll get where they are now, 25 takeovers later. What an evolution for a developmental brand for WWE. One of the most popular, if not the most popular brand under the WWE umbrella, right in front of NXT UK, of course. And I said this plenty, I've said this plenty of times. NXT doesn't insult our intelligence. NXT doesn't make us lose IQ points every single week when we watch it. It's straightforward programming using logical storylines, keeping fans invested for months and years. Um, for example, the Champa Gargano feud. That was literally a two year deal that was supposed to conclude at. Uh, Takeover New York, unfortunately, Tommaso Ciampa had a neck injury that forced him out of being in that main event, which should have been a conclusion to this rivalry, and we didn't get that. We never got that conclusion, which is unfortunate, because that was literally the most hype match in NXT's history, one of the biggest feuds and best feuds in NXT's history, and unfortunately, we never got a chance to see that truly conclude. Um, just thinking of the other rivalries, Charlotte, Charlotte and Sasha Banks, you know, the names that have come through NXT, Shinsuke Nakamura, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, Finn Balor, Bobby Roode, Charlotte, Sasha, Bailey, Becky Lynch, you know, Lacey Evans, um, you know, Drew McIntyre, Andrade Cien Almas, tag teams, 
you know, like the revival, like DIY, even, you know, even if they were just, you know, for one night. You had the War Raiders, which more of the more recent tag teams, even though I will never call them the Viking Raiders because that's the most fucked up name I've ever heard in my entire life. You know, the Shield. Bray Wyatt, Luke Harper, Eric Rowan. The names, the list is extensive. CM Punk was involved in a takeover. Cesaro was involved in a takeover. Corey Graves, you know, who is now on commentary. Um, Byron Saxton, former NXT guy. Percy Watson, although I wish him well in his future endeavors. Um, Natalia, Paige. The litany, the list. So much talent came through NXT. EC3, you know, when he was Derek Bateman, he was a part of NXT beforehand. It's crazy how we gone from NXT Arrival, Our Evolution, you know, take over Brooklyn, Toronto, having war games brought back into the fold for the first time in decades. NXT is so innovative with what they have and what they're doing, and it's all under the guy under the you know Triple H. Shawn Michaels, Road Dog is now part of NXT, just so you know. And if you didn't hear about that news, I definitely looked that up. And I saw when I saw it, I was like, holy shit. Road Dog's part of NXT now. You know, Tyler Breeze is back in NXT. It's a beautiful thing. You know, and even going forward now, NXT UK capitalizing on the talent there in Britain. And, and, you know, with the United Kingdom, with Britain, Great Britain, and, you know, Ireland, Wales, Northern Ireland. You know, take talent from Europe, guys like Volter, Ilya Dragunov, you know, Jazzy Gabbert, Kaylee Ray, Jenny, Tony Storm from Australia, Dakota Kai. You know, names we've never heard before, Jordan Devlin, Pete Dunn. You know, Mustache Mountain, Zach Gibson, James Drake, the list goes on and on. And they're building this foundation into what will be definitely one of the best brands in WWE going forward. Because they're my two favorite brands right now, NXT, NXT UK. Doesn't even come close. And now we've made it to 25 TakeOver Specials. I couldn't even begin to give you my my top five favorites of all time. Because every single one of them has got exponentially better time after time again. And even Triple H himself on media calls has said himself that every takeover, we want it to be better than the last one. We never want it to be a bad takeover. And they've and honestly, for the last three years, and I've said this plenty of times before, and you're going to hear it again. Every time there's been a big four weekend, you know, WrestleMania, Royal Rumble, SummerSlam, Survivor Series, for the last three full years, and that's literally 12 takeovers, NXT has not only beaten WWE on a big four weekend, they've obliterated anything WWE 
had a chance to do. And I've stated it before. The only time WWE has ever gone close in the last three years was TakeOver San Antonio versus Royal Rumble in San Antonio. That is the closest WWE has ever gotten to even tying with a TakeOver. It's because WWE's doesn't do what NXT does. NXT does everything the right way, the way it should be shown, the way it should be displayed. Think about this. One hour a week, taped, beats five hours of programming live every single week. Fans come in drove. If if every fan, if I could have the ability to give, to give every fan that was capable of watching the WWE Network just to watch NXT and NXT UK, I would do it in a heartbeat. I really would because NXT is that brand that harkens, but not, not harkens back to the old days of WWE booking when Vince McMahon was actually competent and knew what the hell he was doing. But when I say I'm a millennial with an old school mindset of professional wrestling, I truly mean that. And that's what NXT gives me. It gives me that old school feel in a modern era. Now you have names like, you know, Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, get well soon, my guy, Matt Riddle, names like Matt Riddle, Keith Lee, Velveteen Dream, Tyler Breeze are now back into the fold. The women's, revol- the women's evolution really, truly started in NXT. And now you see ladies like Ashina Baszler, Io Shirai, Bianca Belair, Candice LeRae, Mia Yim, Vanessa Bourne, Aaliyah, Reina Gonzalez, who, who was featured in last week's episode, you know, Dakota Kai, Tegan Knox, and with the NXT UK ladies, you know, Tony Storm, Ginny, uh, Nina Samuels, Dakota Kai, Rhea Ripley, Isla Dawn. Hopefully, Nikki Cross will get over there soon enough, but I think they're going to keep her on Raw, which is terrible, may I add. But just looking at the talent they have in NXT and what they do with them on a weekly basis taping for an entire month and then going on tour. It's a beautiful thing what NXT has done. And now we get to see its 25th show be put on display for us. It's a beautiful thing. And I don't want to waste any more of your time going through the history, you know, have an emotional sapping moment. I need to get through these predictions. So we're going to start from bottom to top, as we always do. Matt Riddle versus Roderick Strong. This is a match I did not know was going to happen, and they announced it on last week's episode of NXT, which stemmed from Roderick Strong attacking Matt Riddle after the whole deal with Cole and Strong kind of having a little bit of a beef. Strong, uh, you know, Adam Cole trying to help Roderick Strong didn't uh, and that blew up in everyone's face. Cole tried uh, stronger that to help Cole, and Cole lost, I believe, to Matt Riddle. They had a little bit of beef going on. Strong rectified everything by attacking Riddle and getting and what he says getting rid of their problem. And then the United uh, now they have a united front amongst the undisputed era once again. And he says, and Adam Cole says they're stronger than ever. I love this match. This match is going to be so 
damn good. This was this match when I first saw it being announced. I was confused as to who I would pick to win. But I'm going with Matt Riddle to beat Roderick Strong. I could be wrong. I honestly could be wrong. But this match is definitely going to be a great opener to the card. It's going to really do very well. I think this match is going to be amazing. I'm going with Matt Riddle to beat Roderick Strong because I think they still need to keep Riddle strong. No pun intended. I'm not saying this creates more dissension amongst the Undisputed Era, but given the fact that Cole and the Undisputed Era's uh, O'Reilly and Fish are competing for the tag titles and how much they want to be draped in gold, I think Strong loses, which creates more, you know, a little bit more dissension amongst the Undisputed Era to see if Strong is actually truly the weak link here. I think Riddle gets the victory. I really do. But I think this is going to be a definite, strong opener to kick off TakeOver 25. It's going to be really good. Getting into the title matches now. Every other match besides Riddle versus Strong is a title match. And we'll start with the NXT North American Championship between the Velveteen Dream to defending the NXT champ, NXT North American title against Tyler, the returning Tyler Breeze. Of course, this match made official by William Regal after the promo segment between Breeze and Dream. Um, Brittle comes out. Uh, Brittle. Breeze comes out, you know, during the Velveteen Dream's promo segment. I love that segment. They were, Dream was definitely throwing some shade on Breeze, you know, calling him, uh, you know, a former cop, you know, fashion cop, all that, hearkening back to his days with Breezango. Um, just all this, this, the shade that was being thrown back and forth. It was a great promo segment that ended in Breeze willing to take a selfie with the Dream and then telling him, when they ask for your number and you put it on your trunks, and they call you back and they tell you they're not interested. And then he gets and he rocks Dream with the phone upside his head. Which allowed Regal to actually make this match happen. This is probably a dark horse for match of the night. A true dark horse for match of the night. I'm going to go with Velveteen Dream to retain. I think right now Dream is still hot. And... We now beforehand, it was supposed to be Dominic Dijakovic against the Velveteen Dream for the NXT North American Championship. From what I've read and heard, Dijakovic is, is injured right now. So it's unfortunate for Dijakovic, but what's Dijakovic's loss is Breeze's gain. I think they're going to tear the house down. I think this is a dark horse for a true dark horse for match of the night amongst all the other title matches that we have here. Um, Breeze returning to NXT. Is a big deal. I think more talent should go de- back down to NXT. I'm sure. I, I think I remember one point Ty Dillinger asked, was, you know, requested to go back down to NXT, and Vince McMahon said no. I would have loved Sean Spears now to go with it back down to NXT. Like, and I say this plenty, and I've said this plenty of times as well. Kevin and I have had conversation had a conversation about a, a, last year, I believe, where NXT should be treated as a Triple A ball club. And that talent should be able to move up and down depending on, you know, ring rust, 
Um, if they're not involved in storylines or if they're just having a bad losing streak, go back down to NXT. Re- revive yourself, you know. And I, I think I, may, I think I remember a booking, you know, Dana Brooke. You know, she couldn't hack it in the main roster, so she had to come back down. And she could have fought her way back up to NXT Women's Title Contention. And that would have helped her get back up to the main roster, even though it would, probably would have been a loss. That's what it could have honestly done for if they did it the right, if they did it that way. And I'm very excited to see what Breeze can do with the Velveteen Dream. I think this is going to be a dope match. I think the entrances are going to be absolutely bananas, especially for Breeze and especially for Dream. And looking back at his uh, entrance at New York, that was a dope-ass entrance. So I'm very excited to see what they're going to do with their entrances at TakeOver 25 in Bridgeport, Connecticut. But I'm going to give the, of the, I'm going to give the match to Dream, and he will retain the NXT North American Championship. We then have the Fatal 4-Way Ladder Match for the vacant NXT Tag Team Championship. We do know two weeks ago, the War Raiders, Hanson and Raymond Rowe, relinquished the championships after their claim that there's no other tag team they had to beat in NXT. They relinquished the championships. They had a match with the Street Profits for the NXT tag team titles. Uh, Forgotten Sons interfered in the match, causing a no contest. Out came uh, the Forgotten uh, Forgotten Sons, and then out came Danny uh, Birch and Oni Lorcan. And it kind of sucks that the War Raiders aren't involved but now they're since their main roster anyway, it makes sense here to just have it vac- have them vacate the titles since they since they are since they officially relinquished them two weeks prior. This is one of the of course, and any time you have a fatal four way, it's always the unpredictability that is the theme for these types of matches. I don't need to play process of elimination to give you my winner. I'm going with the Street Profits to become NXT Tag Team Champions. As much as I would love to see the Undisputed Era get back the titles and begin their, you know, dominance in NXT, as much as I would love to see the Forgotten Sons, who I am a personal fan of, and I like how they're doing things with them, I think right now, the Street Profits, as hot as they are, I think it's their time to win the Tag Team Gold. I think it's finally going to be their time to become the top team in NXT. I would like to see them have a run with the gold. I mean, their Evolve Tag Team Championship run was pretty solid. You know, they've evolved so much ever since their, you know, their debut in NXT. You know, to get from where Angelo Dawkins was before, where he was just, you know, a single star, kind of, kind of, you know, just straggling along and when he linked up with Montez Ford, it just clicked. They clicked. It works. Everything they've done so far as a tag team has absolutely worked. I have loved it. I love this tag team. And I think it's going to be the time. I think now's the time to put the titles on them and see what they do with them. I think they're ready to win the tag titles. I really do think they're ready. Only looking at Danny Birch, of course, had their opportunities 
Um, unfortunate, I mean, one of the best matches I had seen all last year with the Undisputed Air, which made a name for themselves in the tag team division. I think the Forgotten Sons right now are close, but I don't think they're ready to take that title just yet, those titles just yet. The Undisputed Era definitely would be a wise choice, a good solid choice to win. But I think right now the Street Profits are the best team going right now. So I'm going to go with Montez Ford and Angelo Dawkins to become the new NXT Tag Team Champions. This is the hardest match for me to pick. Because every time I've picked against Shayna Baszler, she's lost. She's won. Most recently, I picked Io Shirai to win the Fatal 4-Way at TakeOver New York, WrestleMania weekend, to become the new women's champion. Now that we're going to have them one-on-one for the NXT women's title, I think this might be as good a time as any for Shirai to take the title. I'm going against my better judgment here. I really am. Because she, uh, Shirai Baszler is probably the one match I really needed to see for the championship. And I think this is the this is the time now for a title change. I know, I know, I know, I know. Shut up. I said it before. I've said it plenty of times before. Don't discount Baszler. I know. I can't discount Baszler. But this is a standalone pay-per-view as well. I'm thinking about that. I just had that feeling that they're that now's the time. Going into the summer, I think the feud is going to be delicious. This feud so far has been pretty damn good ever since TakeOver New York. And I know right now we got Belair Yim doing their thing, Candice LeRae's on the, on the come up. But I think right now, Shirai Baszler's your hot hand. But I think, if not now, when? That's what this uh, that's what this whole case is. Uh, this is a case of, if not now, when? I think now is the time to get the strap off of Baszler and putting it on Shirai. I think this is perfect timing to do it. Because if you're going to wait till TakeOver Toronto... Then, I mean, you've got to think, we're literally three months away from Toronto. If you're going to somehow let this build and have Baszler lose its drop the title and Toronto, then damn, it better be good. But I think Shirai winning the title and having Baszler seething over the fact that she got beat on her best day against uh, Shirai, I think t- the time is right now to see Baszler drop the title. That's not to say she will go up to the main roster. Because when I said that, she won. But I think right now, this is Shirai's true best chance. I mean, honestly, there's no other lady right now that has top contender status written on her. Bianca Belair had her moment. Mia Yim, I don't think she's ready. Candice LeRae needs needs to climb that ladder. But Shirai is the best choice to be the one to take the title off of Baszler right now. So I'm going to go with Io Shirai against my better judgment to become the new NXT Women's Champion. And then we have the main event between Johnny Gargano and Adam Cole. Their first matchup in NXT TakeOver New York, two out of three falls match, was awesome. 
fan-fucking-tastic. It was just so good. I had Adam Cole winning the NXT Championship, and it wasn't in the cards that day. And that's fine. I can live with that. But my mind's still thinking. Cole's time is going to be coming soon. And it's not to say Gargano's being moved up or anything. Because this is a hard one for me to pick. Do I want Gargano to retain? Or do I want Cole to finally realize his, you know, his, his dream of becoming NXT champion? This is also a hard one for me to pick. It's very hard. But I'm going to go with Adam Cole to become the new NXT champion. I think that he's going to get um he's going to do some heel tactics by hook or by crook. I think Adam Cole is going to figure out a way to catch Johnny Gargano off guard and become NXT champion. That would mean Undisputed Era has a one for a one for 3 night. I know they want draped in gold. I just don't know if that's going to be in the cards. Now, Triple H could be thinking that. Triple H could be, you know, trying to get this going. But I think for the sake of, you know, getting a top heel to be on the top of the mountain, I think Adam Cole right now stealing it by hook or by crook would be some insane shit going into the summer. I really do think that. What a better way to kick off the summer months than an Adam Cole as champion. And you know I'll be wearing my Adam Cole Bebe t-shirt. And this is, again, against my better judgment. Because most people will probably go with Gargano to retain. He just won the championship at New York. You know, no reason for him to lose the title after a couple months. But I think for some reason, some strange reason... It's going to be a crooked way for Adam Cole to take it. Which would continue the feud between Gargano and Cole going in to take over Tirana. If that's the route they're going to go to. Because then they have a whole two months to pretty much, you know, a whole two months to get that going. I really do think that. So I'm going to go with Adam Cole to beat Johnny Gargano to not only keep the feud going, but to finally get Cole on the top of the mountain and see him finally as NXT champion. So we are done with our preview and predictions. We're going to take a short break real quick, and then we're going to close this baby out for your two-for-one Wednesday special. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. guys that's gonna be it for episode 74 of the young lions perspective nxt takeover 25 preview and prediction as always i want to thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day your night your afternoon and your evening wherever you may be wherever you are in the world thank you guys so much for taking this episode of the podcast and as always i greatly and truly appreciate it 
If you enjoy this episode, do not hesitate to tell a friend to tell a friend about the Young Lions perspective. Share it across all of your social media, your Facebook, your Instagram, your Twitter, your LinkedIn, your Tinder, your Tumblr, whatever app, social media app you got. Share this episode with the people and let the people know that the Young Lions perspective is your alternative for professional wrestling podcasting and that we are here to stay. Now, if you don't happen to have the Anchor app and you still want to check out this episode or any of the other 73 episodes of the Young Lions perspective, including two episodes of Outside of the Ropes and three episodes of The Secret Files, you can also find this podcast on, of course, eight other platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and of course, that good old Spotify fam. If you search for the Young Lions perspective across any of those platforms, you should have no problem finding it whatsoever. If you want to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the Young Lions perspective, do not hesitate to follow me on Twitter at Suede Senator WWI. I do live tweeting for SmackDown Live as long as it's good. Not Raw, none of that bullshit. NXT, NXT UK, every live WWE pay-per-view event, any New Japan wrestling event, and now we can include AEW as part of the live tweeting beautiful, lovely things. Also, you can follow me on Instagram, the mothership of everything that is the Young Lions perspective, along with the Anchor app. You can follow me there on at, actually, Young underscore Lions underscore perspective. Follow me on both of those platforms and stay up to date with everything that's going to be going on with the podcast itself. Guys, I hope you enjoyed this two-for-one Wednesday special. I sure did I sure did enjoy it. You know, I love talking about pro wrestling with you guys. I love to talk about anything with you guys. So I hope you enjoy the two-for-one special today. Enjoy those. Enjoy of course, uh, set, uh, any other other episodes that I have on my podcast was recently, of course, uh, the preview predictions for uh, Double Double or Nothing, all that good stuff. Episode 75, hopefully will be going down tomorrow, where I talk about, for sure, the NXT Go Home Show, and maybe, just maybe, I might be talking about a little NXT UK with you guys. I know uh nxt uk is a big thing of mine i definitely want to get back into the swing of things with that so guys until tomorrow enjoy the rest of your night uh i know there's gonna be a big storm coming around the northeast so guys if you are anywhere in the northeast like i am be safe um stay inside if you must uh if you don't have to go anywhere just stay home excuse me it's definitely supposed to be crazy out there i gotta go walk my dog real quick so until episode 75 guys tomorrow enjoy the rest of your day enjoy nxt and nxt uk tonight See you.